With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. The Steve Malzberg Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it happens to be four minutes past the hour of 9 p.m. on Thursday, Thanksgiving here on the East Coast of the United States. And you know what day and time it is wherever you are listening to the Steve Malzberg Show. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, whether you're it's over for you uh, or still have time left for your Thanksgiving day and you haven't finished your meal. I finished my meal. Uh, I've got a lot to say about Thanksgiving, including something I learned about 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 the definition of uh, how you define certain relatives. It's pretty interesting. I've been wrong my whole life. I've been wrong. And I'll tell you what that is a a little bit later on. Uh, But we are now just um, let's see, midnight. So we are just uh, three hours away from the scheduled start of the so-called ceasefire and prisoner exchange between uh, Israel and Hamas. 7 a.m. local time in Israel is when it's all supposed to start, midnight Eastern time. Uh, 13 civilian hostages who have been terrorized for about 40, what, 47 days in Hamas, God knows what, tunnels, cells, who the hell knows? Um, and we're talking about, you know, there's there's a nine-month-old baby. I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine? They're, the babies, they're holding babies for almost 50 days. It's who they are. It's what they do. Um, anyway, so 13 uh, hostages are going to be released, supposedly. And Israel, uh, Israel will release um, 39 Palestinian prisoners from jail. And that's still, you know, 13. It's going to be women and children. Uh, There's an American girl who turns four tomorrow. Four. In Israel, she's already turned four. But she turns four here in the United States tomorrow. Four. And there's no guarantee she's even going to be among those who are being released. Okay. So 13 come out. That leaves like 237 prisoners. So this is going to take forever, which is Hamas's goal, which is why I think this is a huge mistake for Israel. You want to get the hostages out. Yes. You want to see them free. You want to get them out, especially the young ones. Um, So Israel is now going to freeze at, not yet. There's still there's still bombing strategic places in Gaza, and I hope they do that right up until the last second. Um, but they got a they got a freeze in place. This is, I think, a four day, four times thirteen, and four times um, bum 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 uh, thirty nine for the Palestinian prisoners to come out. And during it all, Israel's not supposed to fly drones for surveillance they're not supposed to do conduct any military operations ceasefire blah 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 and you know what the plan is 
Hamas if this goes through, if this lasts that long, because Hamas are Nazi terrorists. So trust is not a word that we could take for granted. But if it goes through, if it if it goes to fruition, then guess what? Oh, well, let's make it last longer. So Israel keeps sitting there. I think it's a terrible deal. But it's who Israel is. It's who Israel is. It's what the country is all about. They gave up over a thousand Palestinian terrorist prisoners. Not in this deal. Several years ago, about uh, 2012, for one Israeli soldier. Okay, that's who Israel is. That's the value of life. That's why they warn civilians in Gaza, move, we're going to bomb. That's why they create corridors. That's why, and, and it's, a, it's Hamas who says, whose leaders say, civilians, Hamas, I mean, Palestinian civilians, that's not our problem. That's the UN's problem. And they've said, Palestinian civilians, well, all civilians throughout history have been sacrificed in the name of liberation and freedom. Millions have. In other words, so will the Palestinians, according to them. They don't care. And don't give me any equating. I heard the idiot Caitlin Collins on CNN before I came on. Oh, the anxious moments. Oh, the 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 uh, the, the, um, uh, the families on both sides uh, are anxiously awaiting to see if their loved ones are. Excuse me. We're talking about infants and four-year-olds who are kidnapped and have been living in a freaking tunnel on one side and people who committed crimes and have been imprisoned on the other. Oh, the families on both sides are so anxious. Really? Both sides? It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. But, you know, and I don't even want to get into the rest of that right now, but that's the deal. We'll see how it works out. We'll see how it works out. Let's hope that it works out. Israel's defense minister has vowed to continue the fight forcefully after the brief truce, saying he expects at least two more months of battle. Um, Israel's um, military also says it's arrested. The director of Gaza's, get this, they directed, uh, directed, they arrested the director of Al-Shifa Hospital. My, 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 I am personally shocked. And uh, he is, um, they claim that he has served as a Hamas. It served as a Hamas command center. And uh, they they arrested the guy. Let's see where that comes. They also killed the naval commander of Hamas, targeted strike. They've killed a lot of, of, the, of the leaders and the commanders of Hamas. And they're not finished by a long shot. So now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let me um, let me let you in on a little secret. You know who's responsible for this great ceasefire deal? You know who's responsible? Joe Biden. That's right. Joe Biden has been in every conversation. He's been manning the phones day and night. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't eat. He doesn't rest. Oh, it's all been Joe Biden. You just don't know it. And you know what? Joe Biden doesn't know it, but it doesn't matter. So here's um, um, John Kirby, the National Security uh, Council spokesperson for Biden. And here he is. 
It's kind of like a commercial. It's kind of like a little video commercial touting, hey, Joe Biden did this. Uh, cut number 256. Hi, I'm John Kirby, National Security Council Coordinator for Strategic Communications. And today we wake up to good news. Thanks to President Biden's personal leadership and involvement, a deal now has been struck between Israel and Hamas to release more than 50 hostages that Hamas has been holding, all women and children. And in the next day or so, we'll start to see them be re reunited with their families. This deal will also allow for a pause in the fighting for something like four days, maybe longer, we'll see. And also uh, a much needed surge of humanitarian assistance, food, water, medicine, and fuel to the people of Gaza who do so desperately need it. Now there's a lot more work to be done. Even as we're glad to see these hostages get reunited with their families, we're gonna keep supporting Israel to make sure they've got the tools and capabilities they need to go after Hamas. We're gonna to continue to work on increasing and accelerating the humanitarian assistance that's going into Gaza. And of course, we're not gonna rest until we can get all the hostages back with their families where they belong. So a lot more work to do, but it's a good day today. And what he should have said was a lot more work to do, we're not going to rest. Joe Biden's not going to rest. Joe Biden's got a lot of work to do. Joe Biden, if he looks a little run down, folks, it's because he doesn't sleep. Meanwhile, the U.S. seems pretty okay with a little four-year-old girl, an American, being held by the Nazi Hamas. I don't, you know, I, I don't hear them every day saying Hamas better release that girl. Better release Americans or else. No, 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 no concern. You know, tunnels are fun. I'm sure the little girl's running around the tunnels every day playing. I'm sure it's great. And by the way, if she is released and whoever is released, we heard Dana Perino from Fox make this point yesterday. I played it last night on this show. The hostages, if they're ever interviewed, will say they treated us so great. Everything was so wonderful. You know, I wish I could go back. Everything short of that, because they've been told by Hamas, if you ever want to see your other relative who we're keeping here, your father, your brother, whatever, you, you better say this. So anything that comes out of the mouths of the hostages in praise of Hamas, in praise of the conditions, in praise of their experience, understand or against Israel which is another possibility, understand where it's coming from. Okay, I'll warn you. Dana Perino will warn you. The media, though, they'll just go for whatever the people say and say, really? Swimming pools in the tunnels, huh? Pool tables in the tunnels. Doll, doll houses in the tunnels. Wow, that Hamas, they're really something. Wait, you, mean, you haven't seen Christiane Amanpour yet, have you? Give it time. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, move on here, folks. Uh, this is Britt Hume, Fox News analyst for years before that, ABC News. Um, I mean, he's got it right. He's got it right. So does John Bolton, uh, former uh, national security advisor to Donald Trump, who believes the same thing he, that you're going to hear from Britt Hume. Uh, here's 257. Well, in purely military terms, Mike, this is not a good deal. Um, 50 hostages in exchange for 150 Palestinian prisoners, uh, plus a much-wanted ceasefire as far as Hamas is concerned. Um, not a good deal. But listen, Israel has a long history of going to extraordinary lengths to get its people back, captive uh, Israeli citizens. Uh, and they have made deals far more unequal than this in the past. 
So this is what they do, and it is deeply embedded in Israeli tradition. So I don't think that the political leadership or even the war cabinet in Israel felt it had much of a choice than to try to do this. But it does open the door to the possibility that further ceasefires, which are not militarily desirable when you're trying to, when you're trying to completely eliminate an enemy, um, uh, would, be, would be put in place to get more of them back, to get more of the prisoners back. And there are, as you've mentioned, many more. And in addition to that, of course, you can make a pretty good case that this shows the power of hostage-taking and the leverage that it, that it affords an enemy, particularly an enemy of Israel. Mm. So it remains to be seen whether, even though it was probably traditionally dictated, uh, this turns out to be a, a good deal. Exactly. Exactly. You take more hostages. You hold some of the hostages, if they even know where the hell they are. We don't even know that Hamas has them all. They might have shared them with their terrorist friends um, for future use. It's insane. It's just insane. The goal should be number one goal. I'm sorry, keeping the country safe for the inhabitants of your all the inhabitants of your country so that they could live their lives and try to get the hostages back, not reverse order. And the security of your soldiers. You trust Hamas? You trust a bunch of Nazis not to ambush those soldiers? We'll have to see what happens. Now, follow me here. Follow me. Sky News. This is perhaps the most insane. And again, you never know where these people are coming from. Are they dumb? Are they brainless? Are they dimwits? Or are they dumb like a fox? Are they propagandists? I don't know. I don't know this person. I have no clue where she's coming from. But no matter what, this is the most insane and also ignorant, I guess, prejudiced. It's, it's, it encompasses so much, so much in such a small amount of time. Okay. Now, I told you, uh, 30, what I say, 33 how many hostages? 13 hostages uh, and then 39 prisoners. Why? Three to one or one, you know, because that's what Hamas demanded. That's what Hamas demanded. You think Israel wants to do three to one? I'm sure Israel would like to do three to one the other way or at least one to one. You think Israel wants that? Of course not. Who, would, who in their right mind would want that? Nobody, right? Could we all agree on that? This imbecile. And again, I'm making the assumption that she's an imbecile. I don't know. Just might be a hate-filled, vengeful, useful idiot. I don't know. But I want you to hear from Sky News, Kay Burley, speaking to Elon Levy, Israeli government spokesperson. And she brings up the three for one. And here it comes. Here's cut 264. I was speaking to a hostage negotiator this morning. He made the comparison between the 50 hostages, hostages that Hamas has promised, um, promised to release, as opposed to the 150 prisoners that are Palestinians that Israel has said that it will release. And he made the comparison between the numbers and the fact that does Israel not think that Palestinian lives are valued as highly as Israeli lives? 
That is an astonishing accusation. If we could release one prisoner for every one hostage, we would obviously do that. We are operating in horrific circumstances. We're not choosing to release these prisoners who have blood on their hands. We are talking about people who have been convicted of stabbing and shooting attacks. Notice the question of proportionality doesn't interest Palestinian supporters when they are able to get more of their prisoners out. But really, it is outrageous to suggest that the fact that we are willing to release prisoners who are convicted of terrorism offenses, more of them than we are getting our own innocent children back, somehow suggests that we don't care about Palestinian lives. Really, that's a disgusting accusation. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine that? So Israel is giving three for one because Israel believes that it takes three Palestinian lives to equal to be as good as one Israeli. I mean, you can't. How could you even make that up? You, how could you first first how could you first believe now she said somebody she was talking to a hostage negotiator who said i don't care what if the hostage negotiator said the sky is green and the grass is blue would you repeat it i would hope you would have said to the hostage negotiator that's insane hamas demands it's hamas's demand but obviously she felt the need to repeat it so she must put some credence into it Again, Hamas demands three for one, not something Israel wants. <laughs> they rather have three to one the other way. They rather have a hundred to one the other way. Okay, and to suggest to an Israeli government spokesperson that it's because Israel doesn't value, doesn't think that that a, a one for one is a, equated, that it takes three Palestinians to equal the value of one Israeli, like what the hell? But this is what it is. This is how in this is the insanity. Now, again, I don't know her. Never heard her before. Never saw her before. Is she just stupid? Is she just anti-Jewish, anti-Israel or not? I have no idea. But wow, that is the most insane thing I have heard in a long, long, long time. Okay. I want to switch to a Thanksgiving. Um, we'll take a break. We'll come back. And um, very interesting day. And we'll talk about some of it. And we'll talk about how the media, the American media specifically, lots of them on the left traditionally don't like Thanksgiving, just like they don't like Columbus Day, just like they don't like uh, statues to American heroes, just like they don't like America. We'll let you hear some of it and more right here. Steve Malsberg on TNT Radio Vision. Anticipate potential delays for the morning commute. In other news, a recent government report on prescription drug pricing points to corporate mouth. Freedom of the press is about your right to know. What are you talking about, man? Look at this stuff. It's about your right to be informed. Your right to access all types of information keeps us free as a nation. No, 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 no. Today, there are real threats to press freedom. And your right to know about the world around us. Look. Some threats are obvious. Some are easy to miss. But they all put our way of life at risk. We must defend against all of these threats, no matter what kind of news is important to you. Justified putting American troops in harm's way. That's a great question. We must protect our right to know before it's too late. Understand the threats. 
protectpressfreedom.org. Here's a bushfire fact. Bushfires can occur without warning. So if you're traveling during bushfire season, here are three simple steps to remember. One, check the fire danger rating before you go. The higher the fire danger rating, the more dangerous the conditions. It may be safer to replan your trip. Two, think about the area you're going to and what you would do if a fire started. How would you escape the area if you needed to? And where would you go? Check if there's a neighborhood safer place. Three, it's dangerous to drive through smoke or fire. If you can't find a way to avoid the fire, park in a cleared area, face the car towards the fire, and turn the engine off. Then lie on the floor and cover yourself to protect yourself from radiant heat. Live bushfire ready. For more helpful tips, visit myfireplan.com.au today. Plug in. Website. TNTradio.live. Check it out. Today's News Talk Radio. It's the coolest. TNT. All right, folks. So welcome back. Um, I had hoped to show you some video of the uh, Thanksgiving Day, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade from uh, New York City. Um, it's, it's quite comical. Uh, we may find it before the end of the show. We may not. Uh, but it was a bunch of protesters, apparently pro-Palestinian slash climate protesters who dressed in white, like, you know, white, totally white, like a white uniform. And they they had fake blood on the white. That was that's why they wore the white for the effect. And they apparently and, and apparently they glued themselves. <laughs> They laid down and glued their hands to the side, to the, the street in front of the parade and caused um, uh, there were a bunch of arrests. Believe it or not, they actually arrested these people and uh, it, they, they, they caused uh, the parade to sidestep them a little bit. Nothing major. And you hear what, you know, here, one of them is they're pulling him off the, like his hands off the, uh, the, the glued sidewalk, the glued street. He's screaming, ah, well, what'd you expect? What'd you expect is going to happen when you glue your hands to the street and the cops have to remove you? I mean, what, what are they going to do? Cut your hands off and leave them there? I mean, it's just, you know, but anyway, but we, if we get the video, uh, we will, uh, I will be alerted and we will alert you and tell you. Um, so my Thanksgiving was great. I saw a lot of people uh, that I hadn't seen in a, in a long, long time. And I learned something. I learned something. And I guess you're never too old to learn something. And what I learned was, let's say your cousin has a child. I always thought that was my second cousin. Uh-uh. It's my First cousin once removed. Now, 99% of you might be saying, of course, you idiot. But I didn't know that. And if that uh, child of your cousin has a child, I used to, I would say, okay, that's my first, third cousin. Uh-uh, of course. That's my first cousin twice removed. So I learned that for the first time. I was misidentifying 
people in my family to others. Like I would tell, uh, you know, certain people that's, oh, that's my second cousin, third cousin, whatever. And it's like, no, no, uh-uh. That's a whole different definition. And it's too complicated for me to even go into probably ever again, probably everybody out there knows it. I didn't, I don't, and I'm not too sure about the second cousin, third cousin thing, but first cousin once removed, first cousin twice removed, first cousin three times removed. You could keep going down the list if you could live so long. And um, I had I had no idea. So I will mark down to uh, Thanksgiving 2023 as the Thanksgiving that I learned about how to properly identify family members. Now, uh, let's uh, go on from there. Thanksgiving. Yeah, the left, the media, they've always had a problem with Thanksgiving. Like I said, like they have with Columbus Day, like they have with, uh, you know, Thomas Jefferson, like they have with other American heroes, like they have with the 4th of July, like they have with America. So it's not a shock, certainly. Um, And some are worse than others. But the Media Research Center, they put a whole bunch of videos and 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 writings out there and I so I picked a few and this is a joy read uh Thanksgiving 2022 which for those of you who have trouble counting was last year I mean look I had trouble identifying cousins it's not an insult maybe some people can't go uh, subtract one from 2023 so 2022 joy read had this to say about the great holiday of and tradition of Thanksgiving. It's cut 251. It is a holiday riddled with historical inaccuracies, built on this myth that the indigenous welcomed their colonizers with open arms and ears of corn, a simplistic fairy tale interpretation of a 1621 encounter between indigenous tribes and English settlers that erases the genocide that followed. It's the truth Republicans want banned from our textbooks because here's the secret they want so desperately to keep. We are a country founded on violence. Our birth was violent. In 1619, a ship with more than 20 enslaved Africans landed in Virginia, ushering in two centuries of American slavery that left millions in chains or dead. And when those humans in bondage were finally free, a terrorist organization that was a card-carrying member of polite society, the Ku Klux Klan, picked up where the Civil War ended using violence to maintain white supremacy. The Klan and its ilk are still active. And as Americans, we continue to choose violence. We are a country that chooses violence over and over again. Continue to choose violence as a, first of all, there's so much wrong with what she said, but we continue to choose violence over and over and over again. We as a country, well, are you speaking for yourself on be- or on behalf of the country? I don't I don't know what we as a country means that we choose violence. You mean like the uh, the, the, the Black Lives Matter protests after George Floyd and the, 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 the cities that were burned and the black businesses that were destroyed and the you mean that kind of violence? Uh, what 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 do you mean we choose violence? You mean like the Palestinian uh, Hamas supporters in the streets kicking in the doors of Grand Central Station to try to get at cops, tearing down flags, um, you know, pepper spraying cops in uh, in 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 front of the DNC headquarters in in uh, Washington D.C., uh, picking up a, a barricade before the cops intervene. You mean that 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 kind of violence? So Antifa. 
Uh, tell me, tell me, because yeah, yeah, when you say we, we as a country, we continue to choose violence. What the hell are you talking about? And again, I don't believe she really knows. But hey, she's always welcome to come on the show. Joy, you're always welcome on this show. Now, uh, let's move on. This is a um, this is a three parter. Ann Curry, who used to be on the Today Show, but this is back from 2003. It's a short one. Jason Johnson on MSNBC. I used to have him on when I was at Newsmax all the time. When we when we got into it one day over uh, the uh, Trayvon Martin uh, murder trial, I that was it. I said, okay, let him go on the air. Ended the interview. Never had him back. Please. Um, anyway, so it's Ann Curry, Jason Johnson on MSNBC, and um, who is this one? Another MSNBC. Uh, this is uh, an activist, a Native American activist, as identified by Media Research Center, uh, Gayasi uh, Rocks. Okay. And so you got three, three in this uh, montage, 252. But the idea of consecrating America on this day and being celebratory of our nation, we have to sort of say also, in addition, you know, you make take great pains to be all inclusive. You know, there are some American Indians who feel that Thanksgiving should be a day of mourning, not a day of celebration because of what happened to their people. So how do you want us to think about I, I wrote my them? history. Thanksgiving has evolved in America, just like Christmas, right? At one point, Christmas was a time where rich people opened up their houses for people to come in and get stuff. Thanksgiving has changed over time as well. I know in my family, I know several people who call it colonizer Christmas uh, because they don't really like the idea of what Thanksgiving represents. Thanksgiving, it makes sense. There is much for white Americans to be thankful for. But I'm still trying to figure out what indigenous people received of value. Instead of bringing stuffing and biscuits, those settlers brought genocide and violence. That genocide and violence is still on the menu as state-sponsored violence against Native and Black Americans is commonplace. And violent private white supremacy is celebrated and subsidized. From Stonechild Chief Stick to Mike Brown to Renee Davis to Breonna Taylor to Eric Gardner, Indigenous and Black people are still being murdered by those paid to protect us. From Ahmaud Arbery to Trayvon Martin, white Americans are still killing Native and Black Americans with no fear of reprisal. See, um, once you throw Trayvon Martin and some of the others in there, I mean, I mean, please, the the murder, the 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 killer of Trayvon Martin was found not guilty by a jury of his peers. Uh, I, I mean, it it, it it's so state sponsored killing of blacks and Native Americans. Really, these people speak, and what the hell are they talking about? And you know what? If you're on MSNBC, it doesn't matter. You're welcome to not know what you're not. He, he'll, he'll, he'll challenge me. He'll tell me he knows what he's talking about. But I just heard what he said, and I'll challenge him right back. There's state-sponsored killings of blacks in this country, state-sponsored, and, and Native Americans. And then you bring up someone like Trayvon Martin, who was, who, who had a, was on, according to eyewitnesses, was a, uh, an eyewitness was on top of George uh, Zimmerman. And banging his head against the ground and grabbing for his gun and Zimmerman shot him. That's state sponsored killing of a black person. I mean, I, I didn't hear Michael Brown's name in there. I'm shocked. Remember, hands up, don't shoot. Hands up, don't shoot, which was bull crap. 
the Department of Justice under Obama found that was bull crap. But that was the narrative forever and ever and ever. Oh, he, the witnesses, witnesses said, oh, he said to the cop, hands up, don't shoot. My hands are up, don't shoot. Never said that. It was a myth made up, baloney, crap. I'm surprised he didn't throw Michael Brown in there as state-sponsored killing of blacks. This is just insane. Okay. Um, and speaking of insane, we have Whoopi Goldberg on The View from 2019. And what was she talking about with regards to Thanksgiving? How Donald Trump, who was then president, has ruined it. Of course. What do you expect from a Nazi Mussolini, hate monger, anti-Semite, uh, whatever else you want to call him? Of course, he's going to ruin Thanksgiving. Uh, here's got 253. It makes me sad in a way, you know, because it just yeah. it's, it's very sad. It's yeah. not America. This right. is not America. I don't I don't remember. This, this is America, America right here. This yeah. our audience, you know, I, I want I want. The America where we're all sitting around going, well, I don't know if I agree with that. Mm -hmm. You know, not you're a terrible, horrible person. Because remember, like 20 years ago when people started saying, well, you're not really an American if you don't agree with me. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go back to those days. I want to I want to I want the days back where we can sit and disagree and pick our teeth and eat fry and eat food. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what I want. You know, that's what I, I want. relax. Yeah. I think that'll come back when people believe in their government, when right. people believe that their president is acting for their own, uh, for Americans. As instead of himself. Instead of himself. Right. Nothing specific, just, you know, whatever. Donald Trump, <laughs> he ruined Thanksgiving. Again, what do you expect from Hitler, Mussolini, Jew hater, Nazi, this, that, the other thing. Of course, it's going to ruin Thanksgiving. All right. So, so that's it. If we, again, um, uh, let, let's move on to, I don't know how many of you follow sports and today's a big sports day. Uh, the end three NFL games tomorrow on Friday, we have like the first ever black Friday NFL game. Unfortunately for the NFL, it involves the New York jets <laughs> and you have to have like, uh, I think it's prime to watch it. It's not, I don't think it's on a regular TV at all, which pretty much stinks. But then again, it is the Jets. Um, so, so, so the head coach of the San Antonio Spurs, um, it, 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 you can't, you, you cannot make this up. Greg Popovich, okay. Popovich is a radical leftist. And you'll hear a little sample of that in, in, in a moment. One of the players, one of uh, uh, Popovich's uh, uh, players, former players for the San Antonio Spurs, who led them to, to great success, is not on San Antonio anymore. So he was there as a member of the visiting team. Okay, so I'm talking about former uh, former Spur Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard. Um, came back with his new team and the crowd just about every time in San Antonio that Kawhi Leonard got the ball or touched the ball, the crowd would boo him. That's pretty typical of sports fans. If they feel that 
someone who used to be on their team and left them or whatever, for whatever reason, they resent it. So they'll boo. That happens quite often, especially if the, the person is a star. Okay. Common. <laughs> so during the game, Kawhi Leonard gets fouled. He's on the free throw line, getting ready to take a free throw. Watch, watch what happens. This is, I've never seen this before, ever. Uh, here is cut number 254. Here we get a couple of free throws. Calden picks up the personal foul. That is two on Calden. Leonard coming in average of 21. Had that Monday. 80% from the line on the season. And Kawhi with eight points tonight, three of five from the floor. It is only three. Excuse me for a second. Pops on Can the we mic. We stop all the booing. Let these guys play. It's got old glass. It's not who we are. Knock off the booing. Pop telling the fans to lay off Kawhi Leonard, but that's not San Antonio. Well, I don't believe I've ever seen that. I've never seen that in my life. That is so, so bizarre. Again, that was the coach of the San Antonio Spurs. Kawhi Leonard used to play for the Spurs and did great things for the Spurs, but he's not with the Spurs anymore. He's with the other team. And the crowd at San Antonio resents that. They're booing Kawhi Leonard. And the coach of San Antonio says, don't boo him. It's not who we are. Excuse me? First of all, fans have a right to boo. These are your fans. They're paying your salary, in part, by coming and paying money to the game. If they want to freaking boo, they're going to boo. But that's be- this is beyond that, right? So why did he do it? Well, after the game, um, he was asked about it, and here is cut to 63. Anybody that knows anything about sports, you don't poke the bear. Told the fans that it was. I just, I just told you why I did it. What? Can you clarify that though? What? Um, I, 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 I spoke English. I just told you. you Anybody that knows anything about sports knows you don't poke the bear. That's my answer. Yeah, well, it's a pretty piss poor answer. Um, what he's saying is, Kawhi Leonard is so good, we don't want to give him any motivation to perform better than he was performing in that game. Really? Fans the fans boo opponent, opposing players all the time. That's the most ludicrous thing I've ever seen, and it's the most ludicrous answer in sports. Not as ludicrous as that Sky News woman. But, you know, I use that term sometimes loosely, but she really. But this, this is just bizarre. This is just crazy. And his excuse? Really? You don't poke the bear. So you humiliate the fans. You preach to the fans in front of the world. The people paying to get in. That is, there's something wrong. Now, who is uh, George Popovich? Well, like I said, uh, he's a radical leftist. Uh, He's made statements on political issues many, many, many times. He doesn't really believe in the Second Amendment at all. He thinks Republicans have blood on their hands. Just listen to this typical liberal diatribe trash. Um, this was uh, earlier this year. 
in April. I believe it was in Texas after a game, possibly Dallas. Well, the San Antonio Spurs. Okay. So, but I think it was in Dallas, could have been in San Antonio. And he's talking about, I think there was uh, some mass shootings. There was the Nashville shooting was the end of March. Uh, There was a shooting in Monterey that killed a bunch of people. So I don't know what specifically triggered it, but I just want you to hear it. Uh, Here's cut 255. And most of you in this room, when we were in school, we worried if Nancy would dance with us on Friday after the football game or something. That was that was our anxiety. But they're going to cloak all this stuff, you know, the second, the myth of the Second Amendment, the freedom. You know, it's just it's a myth. It's a joke. It's it's just a game they play. I mean, that's freedom. Is it freedom for kids to go to school and try to socialize and try to learn and be scared to death that they might die that day? But Ted Cruz will fix him because he's going to double the number of cops in the schools. That's what he wants to do. Well, that'll create a great environment. Is that freedom? <laughs> that, the last part is the best part. But that's so you see, that's who he is. OK, that's I just want to play that so you could see who he is. Maybe you could figure out where he was coming from. Is it is it because he took offense to the fans booing a former player of his who was African-American? I don't know. You can't get inside the mind of a loony leftist. Anything's possible. But um, you see you see that when, when people propose to put more cops in schools or to have a, even a cop in every school, oh, oh, what kind of life will that be for kids? Oh, what kind of environment is that for kids? Really? That's, that's the left's argument. Of when, when, when people say, how do you keep schools safer? Well, put, put a cop in there. Put two cops in there. Oh, ew, cops, you want them around your kids? Really? What kind of life is that? What kind of day is that? See, they're sick. They're sick in the head. They're sick in the head. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right, folks, guess what? Even on Thanksgiving, it comes down to one final segment left in the hour. And that's what we have. And we'll come back. Steve Malzberg right here on TNT Radio Vision. The climate agenda is a national security risk. Where do you hear this? From Washington, D.C., this is the Morano Minute with your host, TNT Radio's Mark Morano. The climate and energy policies of California are threatening the security of residents. California has increased crude oil imports from foreign countries from 5% just 25 years ago to more than 75% today. According to Heartland analyst Ronald Stein, California is the only state in the United States that imports most of its crude oil feedstock to instant state refineries from foreign countries. California needs this oil for nine international airports and 41 military airports, as well as shipping ports up and down the coast. Meanwhile, Asia has 88 new oil refineries manufacturing fuel for California's airports and shipping terminals. It's time we recognize that the climate agenda is a national security threat. This is Mark Morano for the Morano Minute on TNT Radio. I tell my son, I love you every single day. Now my dad has never said that to me. Not because he doesn't love me, but because culturally it wasn't comfortable for him. Now that he's a grandfather, he says, I love you to my son every time he sees him. My advice to all the fathers out there, 
forget the cultural restrictions. They grow up way too fast for you to waste even a single precious moment. This is the Steve Malzberg Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hey, who's that, who's that guy with the suit and the tie? Who was that? Um, welcome back. Steve Malzberg with you. Um, yes, I am. Uh, I am live <laughs> on Thanksgiving. And uh, please follow me on Twitter at so X at Steve M. Talk. I'll never get used to saying X. Uh, Facebook.com slash Steve M. Talk. Uh, Instagram Steve M. Talk. And you could email me, and the email address is Steve Malsberg at TNT uh, live. Steve Malsberg at TNT live. So here's a story uh, from uh, I24 News. EU, EU funded Palestinian schools glorified the Hamas massacre. Well, catch me, I'm going to fall over. I'm shocked. Uh, but I didn't know I didn't know the extent to which the EU funds these schools, but this is insane. Um, a new report by Impact-SE, I don't know what that stands for, has uncovered uh, revelations about West Bank schools. West Bank schools! Remember, Joe Biden wants the government in the West Bank to run the Gaza Strip. Uh, West Bank schools primarily the Palestinian Authority, celebrating the October 7th Hamas massacre in Israel. At least 11 schools, predominantly PA-operated, openly glorified the uh, event through various activities, rallies, and teaching methods. These schools perpetuate hatred, hatred, violence, and anti-Semitism within their curriculum. The report shed light on the disconcerting reality that international aid, particularly from the European Union, is a primary financial pillar sustaining PA education contributions via the EU's and I I, I don't know how to pronounce this, but it's a P-E-G-A-S-E funding mechanism directly finance the salaries of PA education sector staff and contribute to curriculum development. The funding, which amounts to around 220 million uh, euros, I guess, E-U-R annually inadvertently aids in promoting a curriculum, inadvertently is key here, uh, that advocates violence and incites animosity against Israel. And they go on to name the school, schools like the Yabad Secondary Boys School, the Fadwa Toquan Mixed Elementary School in Nablus, actively endorsed the October 7th massacre. They closed the school in honor of it. They allowed second grade students to draw Hamas terrorists as part of their activities. Uh, further examples from the Azun Elementary School for Boys in Kilia showcased grade four students singing hateful lyrics at the Rafidin Mixed Elementary School in South Hebron. A video revealed a fourth grade student reciting a poem advocating for violence. You get the picture. OK, now the EU did pass a resolution earlier this year Um calling out the Palestinian Authority for their textbooks and their education system and uh, threatened to cut off uh, certain funding if that wasn't remedied. And the U.S. Congress, the House at least, has done uh, the same thing. So it's out there. The EU knows about it, their parliament, the the, the, uh, Congress in the United States knows about it. The only ones who don't know about it are the media. 
Gee whiz, how could that be? So speaking of the media, and I mentioned Christiane Amanpour from PBS and CNN. I can't get over the fact that I pay, I think, part of Christiane Amanpour's salary. I pay it because taxpayers still fund, in part, PBS, which is a travesty and it's got to stop. It's just got to stop. So here is Christiane Amanpour, the show called Amanpour and Company. Um, and it's uh, she's talking to this guy named Omar Bartov, a Brown University professor, uh, professor of uh, Holocaust and genocide studies. And the key word here is genocide. And guess who commits genocide? You've got it. So um, I, I want you to, um, to, to, to listen to this. And here is cut number 258. For genocide, what you need, uh, according to the UN 1948 uh, resolution uh, on the crime of genocide, is to say that it's the intent or, or to see the intent to destroy in whole or in part a national, ethnic, or racial or religious group as such. That is, that the violence is intended, is intentional, or with the intention of destroying the group, a particular group, as such. Now, if we think about the case that is going on now, there have been statements by Israeli political leaders, by Israeli military leaders, which have genocidal echoes uh, about flattening of Gaza, removing the population out of Gaza, treating uh, the people there as um, the Bible instructed the Israelites to treat the, the Amalek, that is to kill the men, women, and, and, and babies. So uh, intent, in fact, has been expressed by Israeli leaders. Okay. First of all, there's so, there's so much to unpack here. First of all, you could take a radical member of the Israeli parliament, just like you could take Rashid Talib, okay, in the U.S. Congress or others, and you could say, oh, the Israeli government said this. No, the Israeli government didn't say it. A, 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 a member of the government, I don't even know who, he didn't quote anybody, so I don't know who he's quoting, okay? And he didn't really quote what they said, so I don't know what they said, and I don't know who he's quoting, but you know, when you're talking about Israel committing genocide, it doesn't really matter. Just say it. So when you say, oh, and the, the Israeli leaders have said, who? The prime minister, anybody in charge, anybody with significance? Has there ever been that policy? No. So when they say Israeli, Israel government uh, officials have said, it's again, I could say, well, the United States, you know, uh, thinks from the river to the sea because uh, well, U.S. government officials said so. OK, that's true. One did. Maybe some believe it, but that's not government policy. That, that person has no power to do it. So it's the whole thing is misleading. And 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 you'll see that he he eventually says Israel's not there yet. But Christiane, baby, she wants Israel to be there. She wants that genocide definition. Of course she does. She always has. Going back to Yasser Arafat days. Here is cut number 259. Whether this is happening on the ground, I'm not convinced that um, right now 
There is intentional uh, killing of civilians, but there is totally disproportionate killing of civilians, disproportionate in a relationship to the military goals declared by Israel itself. So in that sense, I think we are close, uh, but we're not there yet. So if we are, to coin your phrase, not there yet, where are we? What is the, the next level if you're talking about disproportionate killing, uh, not yet, you're not prepared to call it genocide yet? I think you've warned that it might become. What is the mechanism? What, does, what needs to happen for the, uh, the legal parameters to be extended? Uh, <laughs> come on, come on! Give me, give me a little bit of genocide. Come on, Professor. Give, give me, give me something. Uh, here's the, uh, here's two sixty. So you were um, in in that clip. You were speaking about the Armenian genocide, uh, and one can also mention the Holocaust. Uh, these are genocides that began with ethnic cleansing. They began with the intent to remove populations from areas that one didn't want these people to live in. Uh, what we are seeing in Gaza right now is the displacement of about a million uh, Palestinian civilians from northern Gaza to southern Gaza. The Israeli military claims it's doing it uh, for their own protection from uh, uh, military activities. But in fact, uh, their houses are meanwhile being destroyed. So you have now over two million people being cramped into southern part of the Gaza Strip without any infrastructure to sustain that. That and statements which are being made about possibly moving uh, the population entirely out of the Gaza Strip, that can eventuate in genocide. What is it now? Do you think it is uh, ethnic cleansing? Because you said, you, you know, I mean, I, I, as I said, witnessed what happened in Bosnia, started with the words ethnic cleansing, ended up being genocide in the final prosecution of it, and that was adjudicated at the War Crimes Tribunal. All right, is it ethnic cleansing? If it's not quite yet genocide, is it ethnic cleansing? Come on, tell me what it is, Professor, so, so I could go around and quote and say it forever. Oh my God, okay. Anyway, folks, there you go. That's just the media, and I pay part of her salary. Can you imagine that? Um, God willing, we'll do it again tomorrow. Jason Oborn is next, as you know. Um, same time, same place tomorrow. Tell your friends, tell your enemies right here on TNT Radio Vision.